Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Rootless Living Podcast and episode number three. I'm your host, Damian Ross, and today's episode was a blast for me. I'm excited to bring you the story of Tim and Finn of Trip Travel Gear and the couple behind the YouTube channel, also named Tim and Finn, where they have a fun travel vlog called Tripped. Tim and Finn are digital nomads that have been traveling the world and for a time were actually RVers. And while traveling, they have grown a successful line of products that are geared towards the digital nomad lifestyle. But let's actually get into the show so you can hear their story directly from them. All right, you guys. So I'm really excited to welcome Tim and Finn, who are here live on this podcast. How are you guys doing? Hey, good morning. (laughs) (laughs) We're rocking. Life is good. That's awesome. You probably are going to be one of the few guests that I actually have met in real life before coming on the show. And I met you guys in real life before we even followed each other because we... We met boondocking in New Mexico, which was a lot of fun. So that was cool. I remember somebody had a little problem uh, getting their fifth wheel through a gate or something. Yeah, that, that was my that was my first blown tire. And I actually just recently uh, blew a tire on one of those don't back up severe tire damage things at a campground. Good, oh, so. good. I'm still having problems. Yeah, yeah. It, it hooked up to my trailer and bounced me back right onto that. It was amazing. Those are really well designed for 40 foot fifth wheelers. The good um, thing is that the tires are very inexpensive. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> hey, you buy one, you might as well buy four, too. They're so cheap. Let's just do it. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so, well, uh, and then I was, I was spying on you. That's how we met. I wasn't going to mention that, but you are, like, probably my first legit stalker. <laughs> on, but it turned out to be a, a pretty cool kind of online friendship. So I'm, I'm stoked for that. And I have the most amazing record, which I think we'll get into later in regards to your guys' lives when we talk about a little bit about kind of your documenting. But where in the world are you guys right now? It's hard to keep up. We are in beautiful Dillon, Colorado right now. I finally uh, convinced Allison to come out here and try giving the ski bum lifestyle you know, a month, see how it goes, and she's liking it. Well, I mean, I, I ski, I ski, but yeah, we, uh, but committing to it, like, every day, Tim's like a snowboard shredder. He's like, first chair every day. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> That's amazing. That's A little awesome. change up from, we were in Mexico most of the year, and now we're in the mountains of Colorado, so a lot of variation going on in 2019. I don't know. I feel like I've seen that, you know, just following your guys' travels, which I'm really excited about having you guys on the show, is that most people probably on the show will be living in an RV or some sort of uh, vehicle, whether a boat or an RV full-time, which you guys have done, and we'll talk about that. Um, But yeah, let's get into that. When did travel really become part of your daily lives? Like, what year and, like, when did this all start for you guys? Okay, yeah, we were the corporate employees in downtown Chicago who were looking at each other going, absolutely not, <laughs> not, not forever. And uh, that was when we first started dating. We got married. We had been saving up for a few years talking about this kind of idea while we were dating. And then after we got married, we quit our jobs and traveled for, it ended up being 10 months. We like to say it. It was a square year. It sounds better, but we started to run out of money at that point because we were just doing the like save and travel thing. When we got back, when, when the budget ran out, we went back and had, you know, like day job type things again. And was just that thinking, first trip 2016 or 2015? Oh, this is in uh, 2015 to 2016. <laughs> and gotcha. then coming back, it was the whole, okay, that was awesome but how do we turn that into a lifestyle no doubt so what did your life 
like from a, a working aspect, what did that look like before travel? What were you guys doing? Like the whole cubicle thing, working for other people, owned your own business, uh, that kind of stuff. Where were you guys at? Come on. I didn't even get a cube. It was, it was all a uh, <laughs> sexy open office, right? And oh. I was at marketing company. So it's like, how many people can we cram on one table and tell them it's open office? Um, yeah. So I didn't even have three cube walls to do. I was doing procurement, which is as exciting as it sounds. If you don't know what procurement is, I won't fill up your brain with that. It's not worth it. Um, but it was just, it was very boring. It was meticulous, uh, very black and white and, you know, just not getting to be creative at all. And it was a position like a management position that I kind of clawed my way up to. So when Finney first threw up, Hey, let's quit our jobs and go travel. I was hesitant to say the least after that. It's a lot of convincing, but I also like to mention too, that my career was in human resources and it's always kind of interesting because I used to think like, oh, those graphic designers or coders are so lucky because they can work from anywhere. And that's just not really the nature of HR. But I wound up in an, a training position and I was training online software to HR representatives. And that um, I was remote in that sense, not that I could live out of the country or anything, but um, I did not go into an office. So now when we come back and we're trying to find similar careers, or at least careers that we have skills in, I was able to grab some old clients of mine. So I started basically my own contractor business. So I was still remote. And Tim, honey, let's yeah. talk about your experience. After the year trip, uh, I mean, we, we just kind of knew that we needed to start our own thing. And I took an entry-level sales position that I knew I would only have to be there for six hours a day, basically. It was a huge cut in pay for me, but it gave me a ton of time and really energy back to be able to reinvest in starting my own thing. Just because we were, we knew so clearly that that's what we wanted to do. So we were willing to kind of risk it and change up careers for that. That's awesome. Hey, just real quick, full disclosure, uh, it's currently raining where I'm at in North Carolina, so if it sounds like I'm making popcorn in the background, I'm not. I'm hoping that the mic will disguise most of that kind of sound, but that's the fun part about living in an RV, so just know. We all get hungry, man. Make that yeah, popcorn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Puffet Stuff. I don't, I don't even know what a popcorn company name is. <laughs> okay, so then you, you got back from the year, and you're like, okay, we don't want the life we have from the time you kind of got back from the the 10 month trip to now where you are now kind of like living full time on the road, not even, you know, shared desk, open space, none of that stuff. How long did that take? (laughs) That took just about a year of back in the States to um, both working remote and buying an RV and driving across the country. Um, But that's probably the most interesting part of the story for all your listeners is Tim made such a good point about the fact that he took this really entry-level job. Obviously that was kind of like maybe like a hit to his pride or whatever, but that was so important. Like now he's been working for a couple of months at this company and people are saying, oh, you guys are back in the States. Hey, Tim, would you like to interview for this? Or, hey, my buddy's got a whatever, kind of more on par of what he was doing previously. But the nature of this company is he was like walking to work. He was coming home for lunch. It was super casual. He could say goodbye at 4 or 5 p.m., which gave him the energy and the time then to dedicate to starting um, our own online business, which is 
your travel gear and we sell on Amazon. But before I get into that whole thing, I mean, you came back, you started your career and you were, you played breadwinner for two years. Like, well, thanks. You don't you have to that, say that. Yeah, you did that the first year back from the trip and then you did it most of the year when we were RVing and that meant we were scrambling for Wi Fi, good internet a lot. But that you were doing that for two years and I basically worked my sales job for one year before I was able to quit and do Amazon full time. So just to give like a broad timeline on this whole thing. Right. And then, yeah, traveling with somebody definitely creates that flexibility because then you have that give and take in a relationship where you can kind of lean on someone. But yeah, I mean, that was so important to me so that Tim could, you know, go through an Amazon FBA training course, you know, one of those super crazy expensive, like long and, and learn that I got about from that. my buddy. <laughs> that I got from a friend. <laughs> I certainly would have paid for that. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then made that happen. And then that's been growing now. We had the year in the RV in um, 2017 into 2018. And then now I've left consulting. And we both are just 50-50 partners of Trip Travel Gear. That's awesome. Now, I feel like I remember in either a video or a blog post that Tim, you talked about until it hit X amount kind of in sales while you were still doing your sales job when you're kind of building this <laughs> online business, like you, you said like a, I've got to see kind of consistency and then I'll feel good. Am I remembering that correctly about you or am I mixing one of my Amazon kind of stories with someone else? No, you've, you've got it. And okay. I, I set the amount at, and this is going to, I don't know, maybe sound ridiculous to, I set the amount at $100 a day of profit, just nice, clean profit. It wasn't a uh, sales goal or anything like that. I just wanted to look at that number because if I could do that consistently, I knew that me and Allison could go someplace like uh, Bali or Thailand and live comfortably and have plenty of runway, right? And it, it was something scalable at that point, and we didn't have to stay anchored to whatever jobs we already had. So just set the bar I don't know if that's low or anything. I mean, $100 a day extra is life-changing. Oh, um, without a doubt. But <laughs> it's also not something that two people can live on in the U.S. So it was just staying flexible on our location as long as we could dedicate more time to building the business. Gotcha. No, that's amazing. I think that's one of the things, too, that I think people don't understand with this lifestyle is it's really relative where you're coming from. I mean, for me, people will be like, is this really a lot more expensive or less? Well, I lived in Los Angeles. So, and I was raising four kids by myself. So this is extremely, and I have a roommate that's splitting half the cost with me. It's extremely a lot cheaper than anything I was living before. So setting a kind of an interesting goal like that, I really like. And then at least you know if it's really kind of working and sustaining itself. Um, real quick, because I don't want to lose some of the travel. So uh, as kind of as fast as you can. So you guys did 10 months and where were you in those 10 months? And then I know that we refurbed an RV and then we did RVing for a year. You went from a specific location, do I believe, to Alaska. So let's just kind of just bring everyone into kind of just some of your travels that you've done. Give me your travel resume. Allison is going to head up this entire question. <laughs> we okay. like that when you have to answer it on like a customs form or something. It's like, list the countries you've been to in the past three years. We're like, oh my God. I, I have a hard time when people ask, where where are you, Damien? I'm like, well, where, where am I? I've done 42 states and... <laughs> 
you know, and I just got through New England, which is, you know, there's states that's like a nine iron. You can drive through and not even realize it. So, yeah. So give me a little. Nine uh, iron. Yeah, give me a that's little. That's the best feeling, dude. Waking up and having no idea where you are. Yeah, except I've been sober 23 years. I remember that feeling, you know, 23 oh. years ago. <laughs> so it's a little confusing when you're sober and you're having that feeling. Where, right, where right. am I? Whose who's hoodie is this? Yeah, exactly. Where did I park? Um, so yeah, give me the rundown. Right. Give okay. The... The travel list. We leave Chicago and fly into Germany for Oktoberfest. We do a road trip down to Croatia, fly down to Greece to do the whole Santorini Greek Islands thing. We head up to Poland to visit a cousin of mine studying abroad, making our way east. We go through uh, taking advantage of a layover to Istanbul, over to Dubai for a week, then off into Asia. We fly to the Philippines, hang out with some friends that were traveling we do like the whole southeast asia region then where we go to thailand malaysia singapore and then take two months to drive on a motorbike from saigon to hanoi um we also then bopped down to um new zealand did six weeks in the camper van there which i'm sure you RVers are aware of and, uh, you know, that scene, what that's like, but that was literally a, a van, van, and then uh, came back up and then spent two months in Bali, which intentionally there, just cheap cost of living to kind of figure out what we were going to do when we got back into the States. So instead of coming back to the States, being with a friend or family member, you know, also where it's expensive, we used Bali as a resource, kind of as the full digital nomad scene to start applying for jobs, start figuring out what we're going to do. And then, um, yeah, Tim ended up landing the job from Bali and left me in Indonesia alone and <laughs> flew back by himself. That was a much better thing to do than go back and start an entry-level sales job in Indiana. I don't feel bad that you stayed in Bali longer. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this poor girl. Chengu is so rough to say. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then, yeah, so then the year in Indiana. And then we, uh, the RV trip, we renovated it in Florida and drove up to Alaska. That's amazing. So going back to this 10 month kind of no job, we're relying on savings to travel. You know, there's a lot of people that say, I, I want to do what you're doing, Damien, but I can't do that until I'm retired. And that's great. They think they can't do it. They totally can. But this idea in itself is pretty amazing that if that's all you did, you know what I mean? Like if you just had this one year trip, and then you went back to kind of your career life, are you just, are you recommending that to people even if they can't see themselves doing this full time? Because just that, what you went through in those 10 months has got to be kind of life-changing anyways. But then that does seem doable to save up a certain amount of money and then go for a year. And then, like you said, kind of bunk, hunker down somewhere and start applying for jobs back in the States and then fly back in. That's just a, a concept I've never really heard of to take a year off. Well, you said it. It's about having... I, I think we planned very conservatively with our budget. We had our cushion when we came home. We had our set budget before we set out on this. And we had those months in Changu where we could start searching for a job. So it wasn't, hey, I'm coming back and I'm living um, with my parents while I'm on the job hunt because that would have just been miserable, right? Right. And, and age is like a really good thing that you bring up because um, you know, I don't want listeners out there to write this off and say, oh, well, you just came out of college or something and you haven't started your career and it's easy to miss a year. You know, Tim, Tim's five years older than I am. I think we left on the trip when I was 
26 or 27, you know, Tim's 32, you know, he's, he's leaving friends there, having kids and have houses and into their careers. And, you know, now um, that I'm 32, Tim's 37, obviously a big hesitation point of something like this is how do you come back, right? It's easy to say, oh, I'm going to quit my job and travel or, oh, I have this budget set aside. Like that's all figure outable, but the unknown of how do you come back I don't think it's any different than like, okay, what if you lost your job tomorrow, right. right? It's like, what would you start doing? It's all those little things. The difference is you have this dedicated amount of time that you're traveling where inevitably so much is going to happen along the way. So you have these stories of people saying, oh, I'm going to you know, save and quit and travel where they've decided to then start their own business or they've gotten the idea to have it or they've, you know, some side hustle that was already going has turned into full-time because just quitting your day job now that you're in Thailand. I mean, now you're on the beach, you're seeing the cave, you're at the elephant park, but you're not out there hardcore traveling all day, every day when you're doing it for 10 months, you know, you have weekends, you have off days, and that gives you a lot of time to work on your side business. I do really like that you guys had, and I'll refer to it as a side hustle that you were able to parlay into a main hustle. I think a lot of people don't realize they can do that. I definitely regret that I didn't have, I, I guess I was not doing things worried that it would hurt my job in a way, at least, you know, what they were thinking about me. And I didn't do any of those things and I still got laid off. You know what I mean? So there's never any kind of security in working from someone else, but you made a great point that, you know, that one day you could say, oh, I can't do this because I don't know if I could find a job when I got back. And literally that Friday you could get fired. And the same effort that takes to find a job, you're going to have to do, but you just didn't get that one-year break kind of a thing. Let's talk about your, mm -hmm. your, your main hustle. I want, to, I want to hear about it because I think it's actually really interesting. I think a lot of people have different understandings of kind of an FBA. And um, so just tell me as much as you want to, like how you guys got started and what it looks like today. Sure. And I just want to cap off the job thing. It's uh, about working for other people, like the mentality that there's any loyalty for a company to you because you've stuck with them is almost so old school. I can't. Tim, sorry to sweat. This is, this is <laughs> no, this is a passionate thing, I guess. It's just we always did the best in Chicago. We we were those typical uh, job hoppers that I guess are demonized and criticized by people from older generations. But guess what? We always got a lot more money when we left a job for a year, got a new title by going to a new company. So it was for people who graduated during the recession, it was a early lesson for us for our careers to show loyalty to no one because none right. will be shown to you, right? Without a doubt. Actually, there's a meme that I saw that I love. It's a an older gentleman with a Lamborghini. And he's like, boss, is that your new car? And he's like, yep. And you know what? If you work your ass off for the next year, I'll be able to buy another one next year. Yeah, <laughs> And that was like really eye-opening where yeah. it's like, damn, that's cold. But there's so much truth <laughs> to it, you know? So I definitely want to hear how you were able to kind of take control of, you know, in a way you're taking, you know, I, sure. I'm, not, I'm not trying to say or put, paint a picture that you guys are multi-millionaires, but I will say that Very you've created something time. that's yours, right? You've created something that's yours. You own it. You control it, you know, to an extent. I mean, obviously, it's always about what people are willing to purchase. It's just really a great little story. So definitely, please tell me. Okay. And let me throw a disclaimer on this. We are not Amazon gurus. Um, Amazon is not going to make you a millionaire overnight. You're not going to set it up and then walk away and go 
smash beers on a beach in Thailand for six months. And all of a sudden, like every time you look in your bank account, it's exploding. It's, it's very much setting up a business that you have to run and, you know, touch every day, but it is a great opportunity to be able to work remote kind of anywhere in the world, really. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just, I love to throw that out there because I absolutely hate people on YouTube who are like, I made this much this year. You can do it too. And here's my Lamborghini. Right. right. Uh, and this I, is not, and I'm I not talking like about I'm passive income. This is not sure. passive income. This is, yeah, there's a fulfillment it's side not. that you're not seeing and touching, but there's a ton of work that you guys are doing yeah. to make it successful. For sure. I get it. And I, I want, I, I appreciate the disclaimer. I want people to know the truth <laughs> cool, behind cool. it. So real quick for anyone who doesn't know what Amazon SBA, the nature of what that type of business is, is the SBA stands for fulfilled by Amazon. So that means that, you know, we said our company name before we're trip to travel gear and any of the products that we're selling, that doesn't mean that we were carrying them around, you know, in the RV or not, not that type of selling. We are, um, we have goods that are manufactured in Asia that are shipped from Asia to Amazon warehouses in the U.S. And then when somebody buys, a, you know, a unit on our listing, then it's shipped out from Amazon. So we're not, you know, touching products. Tim is managing all of that digitally. That's amazing. Yeah, so, and Amazon is taking a nice, healthy cut. <laughs> Don't worry about that. Yeah. Now they and help me because I'm not an Amazon guru by any means. They there's like two different types of cuts. There's if someone's searching on Amazon and they just randomly find your stuff, Amazon gets a different cut than if they're purchasing it on your website and just fulfilling it. Correct? Is that how it kind of works or no? Specific to us, our website is still directing people to Amazon. Gotcha. Um, okay. You could set something up like that outside of Amazon. You just wouldn't want to use them because their costs are so expensive. If you're actually selling on your site, you, you could use them as a fulfillment center uh, if you had a Shopify store or something like that, uh, but you wouldn't want to. It gotcha. would be kind of cost prohibitive on that. But yeah, they charge a uh, percentage of the cost of your item plus a flat fee based on uh, the size and dimensions of it. So they are, they are certainly covering themselves from a profit standpoint for fulfillment there. Um, but it takes all that out of your hands. You don't have to warehouse stuff. You don't have to hire somebody to handle uh, customer service or returns or shipping, any of that stuff. And uh, yeah, it's just that is the only solution out there like that. So it took, uh, if I remember correctly, it took about, uh, is, were you saying like a year to go from zero sales to where you felt comfortable, okay, it's $100 a day profit? Or <laughs> what was the time? Yeah. Okay. I'm pretty conservative about that stuff. So January, February, March, I was doing my research, uh, looking for a product. And I mean, I was studying this stuff like I was cramming for finals in college. I was putting a ton of time into it. I literally sold my Xbox so it would be a distraction, which sounds like a teenage kid talking about something like that. But I really wanted to go all in and either fail at it or make it work, um, just so I could say that stone's been turned over and retried that. Um, I got my first order. I think I spent $500 bringing in backpacks and listing those online. And Hey, that, that didn't really work. Uh, we tried our second product that didn't really work. And this is over the course of the summer months here because it can take a month 
to two months for something to be manufactured overseas. And then you can either ship it by plane. That's going to take about a week and a half, or you can have it taken over on a boat, which didn't really make sense. Uh, and that takes a month. So the, the production schedule, you know, it can the be, time. the lead time can be 90 days from the time you order to the time it shows up in the U S gotcha. uh, probably by October. That is when I quit my job finally, cause I was hitting that consistent hundred dollars a day in profit. Um, so but like, that's like, that's crazy fast. <laughs> like it's, I mean, you, it didn't feel crazy fast. No, I, know, I was putting in like, so much time and watching every single item get shipped out. Like you can refresh on the Amazon seller central app. Uh, it's a bad habit because you can always flick open your phone, refresh it and see how many units you sold. And in those first months, it might, I might skip a day and not sell anything. Uh, then the next day, maybe sell seven units and I'd be ecstatic. I'd be like jumping around the house. I awesome. couldn't believe it was happening. And it just slowly built from there. Uh, it's so complicated with Amazon. It, I just kept taking, it's like, what about Bob? It's baby steps the entire time, right? Baby steps to the <laughs> baby steps to learning PPC, baby steps to adding a new product and just kept smashing my head against the wall, kind of uh, just adding pieces piece by piece but then you went through all of the hard like you know you you went through all that hard work like I'm trying to compare it for a listener to other types of businesses that you would be considering starting to be nomadic and if you're thinking like oh okay like I'm going full-time in my RV I'm going to start an RV travel blog like uh, I want to list my services and find a client that's going to pay a hundred dollars a day like that to, to go 10 months in that was um you know in my i feel like that was fast just to as an entrepreneur you know start a new business um but that's kind of why that one job that tim had it was it was that's not saying the sacrifice on the other side. It's saying, okay, well, Tim had to go in and sit with a bunch of 22 year old interns as a coworker on the same level after having like managed teams of people in Chicago. And no shit, it's a 22 year old. Those guys were grinding over there. I'm just saying like you were 34 and, and you, you did that all day and Wait I did this all night. <laughs> no, that's awesome. I think, you know, obviously Gary Vee has been talking a lot about with the sacrifices he made, you know, shoveling ice and extent to get to where he's at now. And it's not even close. And I really, I, I buy in and believe that stuff. So I think the sacrifices that you really had to make Tim to, you know, make it go where it needed to go are amazing. And, and I know you downplayed an Xbox, but the idea of actually taking, you know, something that could distract you that has no value, you know what I mean? And to be able to make sure that you, okay, I'm fitting all this time, but I'm not taking time away from my wife, my pet, my family, I'm going to remove this thing out of my life. It's actually really cool. I know you kind of downplayed it a little, but I think a lot of people can learn from that. There are things in our lives that we can all get rid of and put that focus somewhere else and it'll change. It'll change your life for sure. I'd like to get into a little bit about kind of just some products really quick too. I mean, in no way, you know, I don't even think they thought I'd really break it down like this, but I just want people to understand what it is that you guys are manufacturing and selling now that you've found to be successful just so people know what they can uh, look for if they go and where they can and where they can grab and buy your stuff too besides just amazon there's a better link for them to understand that sure uh we sell things like backpacks uh compression packing cubes stuff that really fits in our niche of travel we're adding more products and that's what we're spending the next couple months doing is really getting our uh, strategy set for 2020 but we we want to add more 
travel products on there that we actually use in our lives traveling or that now we we're at the level where we can add a lot more customization to what we're putting up on Amazon rather than a commodity product that you know the other people are selling out there or something similar to it the thought behind trip travel gear is after spending 10 months on the road we were so our gear was such a part of us because we traveled in carry-on only in backpacks and you know as a girl shoving all your clothes for an entire year into one backpack that can fit in the airplane with you so we got to know really well these compression packing cubes and if you don't know what that is it is essentially a luggage organizer and it has two zippers on it so it's a little pouch you tuck your clothes into there you use the second zipper to compress the air out of it you can pack about a third more gear in either your suitcase or your backpack using those. So the whole idea of your travel gear is you're traveling smarter with those compression packing cubes or then our backpacks compressed down into a little pouch. So you can throw those into your bag as well. And for the RVers, we've been getting RV, when we were RVing, we were getting pictures from RV friends who were using the compression cubes as drawers, you know, because storage, of course, is such a challenge in the RV. So right. The compression cubes were helpful for extra, you know, linens and stuff that were going in the sofa or the backpack too to carry your, um, you know, towel and toiletries into the shower room and everything. But then it just folds up into a little pouch and you tuck it away when you're done. I don't think I ever shipped it away from the style living out of backpack. I still very much have. Uh, you have like three shirts. I know. I know. <laughs> it was just so nice. What am I wearing today? Oh, yeah. I have three shirts. Perfect. Perfect. You know, there is something to say from, uh, I think back to my old Kinko's days for you young kids, FedEx office. Um, I, I basically was told to wear a uniform. And at first I was like, I don't want to have to wear this. But man, the next day when you're just, you don't have to think about what you're going to wear. You just didn't realize, yeah, just, okay, this is why Steve Jobs and Jay Leno and these guys do this. This is why they wear the same clothes every day. And obviously it's not the same pair of pants. I mean, in your case, it sounds like it might be, but in, in most cases, it's hey, like, man, I own my three pairs. <laughs> <laughs> and I think there's something that's brilliant to that too. I went a long time just rocking these white V-necks. And I remember the first time that I threw a colored shirt on and people lost their mind. They're like, wait, what's that? Yeah. What's, what's going on? Because it just, I wanted my life to be simpler and I was figuring that out, but you are right. This lifestyle, the travel, the RV lifestyle, you really do start to learn that the, the stuff that we have that we don't use, it just really weighs you down in a way. And I, I've seen what you guys are making. I definitely want you guys to talk about it. I think about if I had to travel out of a suitcase a lot and, I, and I'm, you got me thinking like, oh, maybe there are some ways I can use it here in the RV because there are some stuff that's kind of seasonal that I need to keep and it would be nice to compress it. I don't want to buy those vacuum things that you see on infomercials. And this kind of does that without, you know, having to get the vacuum out and the attachment in a way, but they are really great. I mean, I just think about on my own adventures when I'm trying to get something out of my suitcase and I have to go through everything. And if anyone ever asked me to open my suitcase, it's all organized and put together. I absolutely love them. I think you guys have done an amazing job there. So definitely check that out. Where can people find it? What's the best way for people to find your guys' goods? You can find us at triptravelgear.com and then you can see there's a bunch of different color options for both the backpack and the compression cubes. And then um, they come in sets. So our most popular, you can get the six piece set where you get a couple of larges, a couple of smalls, a two, there's lots of different sizes for your different <laughs> uh, gear and everything. And then we always recommend 
if you're traveling with another person to get different color cubes, because then, you know, Tim and I are unpacking every, every month when we're moving into a new Airbnb and it's really easy. Like, okay, here's your gray ones. Here's my white ones. And we know whose stuff is whose. That's amazing. That's really smart. I, I, you know what? I think I cut you guys off. So, and maybe I'll, I'll edit this around, but after you guys referred an RV, a, uh, it's class A, I can't remember. Did it have one slide? Did it have slides? Oh, she had one beautiful slide on her. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I remember. Okay. Cause some of these ones that I've seen refurb don't have slides. And I think that is actually pretty amazing too, just because, you know, people are always, I, mine has five slides. So it's got more slides than I know what to do with. If you don't have a slide, what are you going to worry about breaking? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You did at least one slide and just like obsess over. <laughs> so you guys did this RV trip from basically Florida to Alaska and then sold the class A. And then where did you guys go after that? Because you did touch on something that reminded me that I, I did see that it seemed like you guys were doing what you just kind of said was an Airbnb to Airbnb travel. That is where we're at right now. Um, we've been in Airbnbs for the past almost whole year now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we left for in January for Mexico and have just been going to places for a month or two, or I guess Salulita was three months at a time. Yeah, bopping around Mexico. Then we spent the spring, we did six weeks in Asia. We leveraged what we called a business trip because we were visiting some manufacturers overseas and we turned that into six weeks of another motorcycle trip in Vietnam Sweet. and some other things <laughs> that are actually going live on our YouTube channel right now. So you can see those and then back to Mexico. And we were going at some point to try to leverage the tax incentive of being out of the country for all but 35 days of the year. And then we just decided that part of the flexibility of this lifestyle is that you can be wherever you want to be whenever you want to be there. And that you know, counting the days and, you know, weddings back in the States or visiting family or holidays, it was getting to be too complicated counting days. So once we decided we weren't going to try to leverage that tax incentive that we just came um, back to the States in October and now we're here in Colorado, just enjoying speaking some English, um, eating some <laughs> familiar foods, all of it. No doubt. No, I bet. All right. So then you brought up the segue. You brought up the, the YouTube channel. This is basically uh, kind of how I met you guys and a big segment of this. I think there are a lot of people that are creating and I want to make sure I understand your, your first 10 months, you were basically capturing content, but am I right that you didn't really edit and post it till you got back or am I wrong there? You've done your homework, Damien. You, yeah. you're spot on. Yeah. Actually, this is this isn't homework. This is being your guys' friends online. I actually really tried. I'm just trying to remember kind of the message that you put in front of me instead of going back and like reading stuff. I just feel like I remember that you guys were back in the states, and then you started showing kind of the footage. And I thought that's brilliant too. Because let me just say this: I see a lot of people buy vans, buy RVs, and buy a camera, and they just get out on the road and they start doing it. The the back end stuff of YouTube is very time consuming. Most people don't know that. We'll talk about that a little. But it, I think it takes away from it. the actual capturing the content, which most people do. Most people take pictures and videos and then never show it to anyone. So almost all of us can understand that when we're on a trip. But the idea of actually creating content and putting it up is a lot different when you're traveling. So it was interesting to see that you guys went that route for the first uh, 10 month loop. Mostly just, it was impossible. I mean, there was absolutely no way. I mean, I know that there's plenty of 
um, travel bloggers out there who push content and they're relatively close to real time and I have no idea. I have <laughs> no, I mean, this is five years now. I just, I have absolutely no idea. Um, I'd always been into video editing. I was always making short, you know, things of trips or silly videos, um, just kind of hobby thing. And then once I started researching, quitting and traveling, I'm like, oh, this whole travel vlog thing is a thing on YouTube. Like I, I could do that. So that was why we started filming, but we didn't actually really know what we were filming for um and that we we didn't get better quickly like you would if you were filming and immediately editing because then you know 10 months later I'm looking at the footage going oh and then okay wait now six months later we're still not better because I didn't learn from my mistakes (laughs) oh I get it well you're talking from a filming aspect of it you weren't able to see and learn from how to create, uh, capture better content. I get it now. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, right, when I'm editing it so so much later. But that was just how we were able to travel full-time like that and enjoy that time on the road. We would have had to go much slower, use the trip almost more like digital nomads where you're traveling at that type of pace versus you know, just kind of backpacking around. When did you guys... So you're obviously documenting adventures before you start a channel. When did you guys start your YouTube channel? And then also kind of what were some of the, the original goals? I bet the goals are completely different now that you actually have a channel. But like, when did you guys actually do your first upload? And, and what year was that? That kind of the thing. Well, our first upload was all the way back in 2015 when, oh, and actually this is just so interestingly ironic. I guess I've never really said this out loud. I was practicing, right? What I've seen on YouTube. I was like doing gear reviews before we even left on the trip. Mm. And our very first YouTube video is a compression cube review from um, like an outdoor, a big outdoor company. And I just saw other people review gear and that's what I was doing. And then now that's what our company is. It's just so That's very bizarre. I mean, cool, bizarre, but bizarre. Um, Yeah, but so we were doing, you know, kind of one-off things or fun creative ideas we had along the way. Two of my favorite videos on our channel is Tim going around both Hanoi and then one in Bali. And he's narrating while he drives the motorbike through just the crazy traffic in both of those areas and driving up on sidewalks or like, you know, navigating cows in the middle of the road and all that stuff. And that was just, you know, like fun little projects. Then our series Tripped, which is our vlog series around the world, starts with us publishing now once we're back home. And then that's at the end of 2016. So, yeah, a year later. Nice. And then where are you guys in regards to kind of um, how far back are you? Where are you guys in regards to the video that drops this week? How far back is that in regards to when you guys actually captured and lived it? Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm dominating the conversation. YouTube is kind of like my field and Tim's in the Amazon field. So it's like <laughs> hearing right, a lot right. of me right now. But, um, <laughs> we are intentionally very far behind. And the only reason anyone would know that is if you follow us on Instagram, you can kind of see, you know, our, our stories are today. Our posts are a couple of days ago. And then YouTube is, we're pushing um, the Asia trip right now, which we went to in, um, April and it's currently the middle of November. So we are, oh, I'm sorry, sorry, no, that was May and June. But I mean, we're, we're usually four to six months behind and that just gives us, um, 
you know, plenty of lead time to create the story, edit it well, publish it out, and we just filmed nonstop better. too during the Asia trip, as opposed to when like Mexico, we would film, you know, every once in a while when we felt like we had something to to film. Oh, that's a good the point. The entire yeah. six weeks in Asia, the camera was out the entire time because there was so much going on. Mm. Right, and six weeks in Asia turns into three to four months of content so you have like that that aspect of it too is um you know three days might be six videos and i'm only pushing them out once a week so that that turns into a month and a half when they're filming a tv show they don't do it all year it's not like a full time they go they (laughs) film for a while yeah and then they put it out over the course of however many weeks months and then that gives us time to just live our life off camera too um and that's one of the things I like about our setup versus, I guess, what I, what I only see from the outside or make assumptions of other travel vloggers is they're just, their whole channel is a vlog and just following them around. And I think that that would just put too much pressure for our preference on our lifestyle. By having a series, we have, you know, tutorial or how-to videos on our channel that's just talking head. And then when we go on a trip, we have a vlog series and so yeah that just gives us a lot of downtime then to not be on camera right and you know what and i know youtube's not listening but i really hope at some point youtube allows you to (laughs) subscribe (laughs) to a channel and then unsubscribe from a playlist you know because there are there are people that that create content that i love and let's say it's i love their how-to's but i don't love their travel or i love their travel and i don't love their how-to's I can see how people lose people in those mix. And I even like, like uh, Mark and Trish, who I interviewed from keep your daydream. They did a lot of how to's. Now they mix the how to's in their videos. Cause they would notice when they put out a how to, they lost people. Cause it's like, mm. look, I, I know how to RV. I don't need to do that. I just wish, you know, like even Roberto Blake, one of the guys I really like, there are certain things on his playlist. I like, and there's certain things that just don't matter to me. You know what I mean? And it's weird that I can't say like, I get, I can subscribe to HBO, but I don't have to watch every freaking show. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> And I really wish yeah, they allowed that where I could say I want HBO, but I only want to watch these playlists. So it, let's say you guys just started a playlist. It's about how to grow a business. And, you know, let's say I don't want to grow a business. I still want to see your travels, but I don't want to learn about how to grow a business. And I feel like YouTube, if you're listening, you need to do that because I think it'd be a lot of. Dude, food. you need to get on the phone with Mr. Google and make that happen. I'm trying right. my hardest. They, well, just don't, then- they don't take my calls anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and then any RVers out there that are if, that's following us on YouTube, as it is, you hit the nail on the head because that's exactly what happened with us right after the RV series. While we were traveling in Asia, we were pushing out how to make money and travel, an educational series. So if you like Damien's podcast, then you're going to like that series. And maybe you don't like our travel, but the RVers, you know, it's totally, totally fell off and we were on this huge upswing of we had just gotten to Alaska and the end of this story and building, building, building. And then it was like, if you'd like to make a digital product online, like follow these steps. And uh, right. yeah, we lost everybody. Which is weird. Right. There see... were less views, but people were way more passionate who did watch. Like right. Yeah, a right. very highly engaged video, just very much smaller audience. So right, right. And then real quick, just from a number standpoint, I, and I wish there was a channel that was doing this, and maybe that's something I'll do with uh, creators on the go, is is kind of understanding someone's growth on a channel. So for you guys, going from zero to uh, 10,000 subscribers, how long did that take? Well, 
Damien, you have to. Yeah, I will. I will. Yeah, yeah. Well, let me say this. For go from zero to 9,999 subscribers, how long did that take? <laughs> okay, we're building a jo up a joke for you guys. You, you'll get it in a second here. <laughs> <laughs> um, to build up to that point was, if you count that first, you know, video in 2015, that, that would have been three years. Gotcha. And so, yeah, the joke is that we were boondocking and we, we found each other. You guys found us on Instagram oh. stories and we found you and I went to your channel and I saw 9,999 subscribers and I just hit subscribe. <laughs> and like two minutes later, they're outside popping champagne. And I was like, wait, that's weird. Maybe that happens all the time. Let me subscribe again. No, just kidding. And uh, which was a really like, that's a huge milestone. I remember telling you guys that watch your growth after this because I feel like any channel that I've watched that once they hit that 10K mark, which puts you in the, the top 1% of all channels, I believe, or even maybe 0.05 of all channels, the growth has been great. You guys are over 50,000 now, close to 53,000, I think the last time I checked. Uh, the views seem really good. The content is just getting better and better for sure. But I, I just, I wanted to hear that because I thought it was around probably that time frame, And I think most people will give up after three years if they don't see this kind of incredible growth. And I also like, I, I know the answer to this question, but I want to ask it because I think a lot of people, so your success in your business is 100% driven by your YouTube channel videos, correct? Right? Like all, all your sales are coming from <laughs> the fact that you guys have done YouTube and you're able to show your products all the time, right? Because I know everyone's like, I'm going to start a YouTube channel and I'm going to show the stuff I'm making and it's just going to sell like crazy. And that's what's happened to you guys, right? <laughs> right, right. So <laughs> It, it is the special sauce in what we're doing, though. We, we are selling in very competitive markets. Wait, um, but just mark that, that that was all very sarcastic. Oh, Sorry yeah, yeah. Like, no, that was dripping. That's how I like it. Yeah. So, right, well, right. Dripping in draft. And I thought, and then, I, I thought it would be. On your own. <laughs> I thought no, you guys would no, be just, selling I'm these. So used to, like, I'm so used to YouTubing it where you have to, like, preface for the comments below. Like, no, no, we're, this is a joke, everyone. <laughs> right, right. No, no. We need a sarcastic font. That's what I need. I need to be able to write a Facebook post. <laughs> And you see it and you're like, oh, he's being sarcastic. Okay, I get it now. That's funny. <laughs> I know, it is hard. Dude, I made a joke in a video and while we were down in Mexico and like, I wonder how they plow these streets in the winter and just like so, so dry. And that video has so many comments about like, it doesn't snow there, idiot. It doesn't how snow in Mexico. You don't have to plow the streets. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, for our Amazon business, uh, anybody who goes into making videos on YouTube quickly realizes that they're going to make more money with their Amazon Associates account uh, or whatever through affiliate sales. Right. Yeah. If you're selling an e-course or you're selling whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Then Google's going to send you a check at the end of the day. Is going to pale in comparison to what you're making from that. Uh, we, we learned quickly with Associates what we were selling the most of. And we said, hey, we can make that. So that is kind of what led us into what products we're selling. And then I, I would be lying if I said YouTube wasn't an important part. It, I would say it's less than 1% of our sales, um, just based on numbers. But it definitely is a steady stream of free advertising for us. Yep. And I think what we do really well on our channel is 
we're transparent about that. Like we have our tiny commercial within each video, but people know we don't have a Patreon. This is how you're supporting the channel. Hey, if you want to buy something over there, that's cool. That supports us. But like, this is our business structure. This is how we do it. And I think people see with bigger channels, um, it can't be all self-funded. People can't, aren't working other jobs. A lot of uh, channels rely completely on Patreon. And I think this is, something different than a lot of people are used to seeing but they they still get it that we are a business at the end of the day we we need to support ourselves without a doubt and just you know a side note for anyone that's watching especially episodic kind of videos i know you're you want to skip that ad i know it's so easy you've got it time you see the five four three two one and you skip it if you're watching someone that you really enjoy their content just let the ad play like it's that simple. Like it's weird that people just don't do that. I, I feel like I do that to the people that I really love and enjoy. And I don't, I'm not monetized in any way. There's no ads on my channel. I'm not saying that to be self-serving in any way whatsoever. It's just like, that's just such an easy way to give back. And then also being able to be transparent. I have the hardest time pitching anything that I'm working on within my road series. Like it, I, I don't even think I asked for a subscriber for the first almost 400 days. You know what I mean? Like it was just so hard for me and it's, there's nothing wrong with it. And to showcase what it is you guys are doing and creating, I think is phenomenal. There's a, I don't know his name, but I know he owns the, he owns a bad company. I don't even want to say it, but anyways, it's been really cool to watch his vlog and then watch how he grows his business. Cause I like both of those things. You know what I mean? And so I think integrating, even if it is a commercial spot or if it's just a, you know, it's part of your content, I think is really smart. And hopefully people won't kind of turn off because of that, because it is, it is part of you. You know what I mean? It's not like, it, it's not like it's not what you're creating. It's not your, it's your business, you know, it's part of your life. Of course, it's going to find its way into your videos for sure. Well, right. And, and you make a good point. I mean, it's, it's awkward to talk about. It's hard to talk about. I think what are, I guess how I'm including it in the videos differently now is I'm finding it helpful to viewers because it's almost answering that question of how do you guys get to do this? Like, why, why are you in Mexico all year? Like, I, I want to learn how to be able to do that. And it's not because we're YouTubers. You know, you can see that in our How to Make Money in Travel series of us talking about being the travel right, influencer right. So and good. how much money we actually made from that. We break down all the numbers, how, we, how much money we make on YouTube. And it's, it's answering that question. It's, this is our business. We have this lifestyle because of it. And then um, in the future here, hopefully adding a little bit more of seeing us on camera actually running the business because usually we're only turning the camera on if we're, you know, out on a kayak or something, but right. um, it, we're mostly sitting behind the computer inside of an Airbnb or an RV. I love that. I actually would love to see how you guys are growing this business and, you know, what products you guys are working on and thinking about coming out with, but I will, obviously you guys know this, the, the feedback sometimes isn't, People will give you opinions. They're not giving your opinions with their wallet, which is interesting, where you can listen to people, but they don't actually turn around and buy it. I know Keith and uh, Alyssa said they had thousands of people that said they would go to a conference. They didn't sell thousands of tickets their first conference. You know what I mean? It was maybe 100 people. Sure. And I thought that was really an interesting eye-opener that, yes, just because people are saying, oh, you should totally build that. I'll buy it. doesn't mean they'll actually, they'll actually buy it. But I think there is something to showcasing and showing how you guys are growing something, especially purchasing things overseas and bringing it to the States and still being able to do it. So I like watching it. I like when you guys bring it up and I actually watched your guys' series and I'll, I'll, I'll figure out my best way how to link this stuff down below. But I think that <laughs> series itself in regards to how to make money while traveling, I think you guys were very transparent in a lot of ways where I think a lot of people 
they want to just make it seem like they're just balling and like this is creating so much income and you know because maybe at some point they want to teach a like you know how to do a vlog travel vlog and make money so they have to make it seem like it's just coming in hand over fist and i i really appreciated the kind of transparency to it which was really cool we want to talk to more people who are doing that and when we had matt on who is a uh coder programmer like he was not formally taught that in school and we really wanted to get into the nitty-gritty of okay you're working this other job how are you picking up these skills how are you actually getting your first client how much are you making from your first client how did you transition from your full-time job to that because a lot of people when they're doing uh how i built this or something uh I, they do the PR version of their story because they don't think the struggle part is interesting. And that was always interesting, most interesting to me is hearing how people struggled and overcame that, right? Right, no, without what a doubt. the minutia of, yeah. You don't want to hear that someone just had an idea one month and they were successful the next when you've been working on something for two years. And, and that's why I really wanted to bring <laughs> up the, the zero to 10,000, not that it's a you know, the subscriber thing is really something that you have to you look at, but I want to show that it's three years worth of work and it's three years with like really good, you know, content. I mean, I, I know you guys probably look back at videos one through 10 and cringe, but you know, in regards to travel and all that kind of stuff, and you were a little bit ahead of a, a bubble, you know, I think in 2017 is really when everyone was grabbing a camera and doing some sort of travel vlog. So you guys were still a little bit ahead of the curve in that, but I think it's important for people to see. I think it's important to hear that it, you know, hey, a side hustle took a year before, you know, it really got to the $100 a day profit, which is, I will agree with Finn that it is really fast. You know what I mean? Like it is. And I know for you, it wasn't because, you know, you want it faster, but that is fast. And some people might be like, $100 a day, that's nothing, man. You know, fine. That's nothing for you. You hear but both sides. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You like can't you don't appreciate it or that that's nothing. Like people are going to have their opinions. That was exactly my benchmark. I always, opinions are like elbows. Most people have two. So let's just. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Um, so if it means oh, anything, oh. just yeah, real yeah. quick, if it means anything to anyone listening, Damon was talking about us popping the champagne for 10,000. You know, we have not done that since here at 50, whatever. <laughs> That's, there you we go. Do that for every single person. I see you. <laughs> you get that button. I see you. I have a celebration. Right. So you get oh, champagne. three three years up until the point that Damien clicks subscribe, we were right, popping right. champagne and we're probably making a hundred dollars a month, 10 months into Tim, you know, hammering down on a true business idea and he's able to quit his job. Now, you know, we're able to sell sales mile, um, celebrate sales milestones and things like that. And we're doing better now than we were doing in, you know, quote unquote, real jobs in corporate America. So I don't know if you took anything away from this podcast, this, that's it, because the lifestyle change and the limitless growth potential when you have your own business like that is what is our driving factor. The fact that we get to be on the road or our fun creative outlet of the YouTube channel, our, you know, our little side pieces to our Amazon business. Our day-to-day -day is not that sexy though. Like what we're putting on YouTube is a highlight reel and everybody should know that. I, I can't even tell you how much time we spend hunched over computers. Just you know, optimizing every little thing. Tim had a back problem this year from sitting at the computer. <laughs> it started with that good old RV, too much driving. But yeah, just right. 
a back problem from too much hunched over the computer, right? But it, the grind never ends on this. I have other side and say all we do is chill and everything. But I mean, for example, Finney is still tweaking thumbnails on videos that are almost two years old just to get a little more traffic on them. Um, yep. I'm still pushing. Amazon's always, you're always adapting to something Amazon has changed or trying to grow the business or get more suppliers or I'm learning about customs and duties this week. Uh, there's legal headaches as you incorporate. It's just, there's always the next thing. So it never gets easier. I guess you get used to the just pace. Step by step. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to clarify too. I don't think, and I've been following you guys, you know, for a while. I don't think I've seen a, a sub uh, kind of, celebration since the 10,000. But for me, being in this space, I know what 10,000 represents. And I know what it represents from a work aspect. I actually really was stoked to, to be there and be a part of that because I could feel this is a lot of work. It's a lot of work to get people to want to hang out with you a couple times a week, once a week. So I didn't mean in any kind of like, you know, look at us. It was really just like, this took a lot of work and a lot of effort to create this community. And, uh, I was stoked that, you know, I just happened to be that lucky number 10,000. That was really interesting. That I mean, who do, who ever gets to experience that where you become <laughs> someone's 10,000 subscriber and they're in the RV next to you and you're literally looking out your back window and there they are. You know what I mean? And it's like, and that is a really good milestone. Yeah. We're still carrying that frame picture of you though to this day. It's a yeah. 10,000 subscriber underneath it. And it's, it's big. It's a pain to carry around, but it reminds us. I, carry out the plane. Yeah. When I went to Mexico, I showed it to everyone. You guys know Tim and Finn. Like they, the guy, the guy that thinks it's going to snow next year. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Um, let me end with these two questions. Uh, what's the best thing about living on the road and what's been the hardest thing? Like what are really good high that you can share and what's a, you know, I don't, let's, let's start with the low, actually. Let's bum it out. What's been the biggest kind of like low moment? And then we'll end with one of the, the greater high moments. Um, <laughs> I, I hate to restructure your question. I don't feel like I've had a big bummer for me. It's just the little stuff that you miss uh, living on the road. And this is total first world problems. But man, having a new pillow all the time. <laughs> <laughs> getting used to new beds you go into the new place there's no can opener we've changed things up a little bit now we have a car and we're bringing a lot more stuff with us i think us. we've bought five can openers this year and three rice cookers and just just that little stuff when you have your own space to return to and we're starting to look at putting together a fortress of solitude that when we're not traveling we can go to a home base and just really focus on work and a normal schedule because uh, I, I think we both need that. But yeah, it's just that that little stuff, uh, constantly on the move. Where, where do I go to the pharmacy? Do I have a doctor around here? If my back goes out, it's a chiropractor. It's like that little grind all the time. And Allison. But now we're doing it in English, so it's easy. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Your Spanish is perfect. If you haven't had to go to UPS and try to ship something from Mexico to Vietnam, <laughs> I have like a kindergarten level of Spanish. <laughs> Nice. So what's been like the, the super high? Where was a moment? I, I always do this thing where it's like, can you believe this is our life? Like there's just these moments that I'm in and I say that to myself. What's been one that you can share where you're just like, I can't believe this is our life? Our high, high moments are always when we have friends or family with us because oh, nice. now we get the benefit of being everyone's vacation. <laughs> 
um, which means that we've been taking a lot of vacations this year because when people come, they want to play, but we, um, we just get to be whatever, if it's a Tuesday or a Saturday, it doesn't matter the day of the week, but when, um, we're usually in a vacation destination and that just means when somebody's with us, they're on vacation too. And so that's always the high, high. Yeah, That is getting better and better. No doubt. That's awesome. I love that. Well, you guys, I am uh, super stoked that you guys got to hang out with me today and we'll be able to share your story. Cause I think it's actually, it's really cool. It's really inspiring. And you know, it's bringing a different element. Cause I think I talked about that. I felt like I want to be careful that I wasn't just getting stuck in the RV space because there's so much more than just that space in order to live this kind of nomadic lifestyle and and really see the world which you guys have been able to do so thank you so much for hanging out with me today and um, I'll definitely put some links down below but just really quick share with people where they can find you and hang out with you well thanks everyone for hanging out with us if you want to hang out more um, you can hang out with us at timandfintravel.com or if you just google Tim and Finn you'll also find our YouTube channel that's the main place where everything's going on and then if you want to shop for yourself or for friends you can check out uh trips travel gear wow, right before the holidays uh, you guys uh, together an infomercial let's make it happen today's episode sponsored by pop smart <laughs> and trip travel gear <laughs> And since, since you did say that about the RVers, I'll say too, if you want to hear why we stopped RVing, we have a video, RVing an Honest Review, where we talk about why we left the RVing world for being in Airbnbs all the time because of our digital nomad lifestyle and, and why we left. So if you're thinking about getting into RVing and um, you want to watch that, that's available there too. That's awesome. Thank you guys so much for uh, hanging out with me today. And uh, I'll, like I said, I'll put everything down below so everyone can find you guys easily. But if not, go ahead and definitely search what they just told you to search. Thanks again, you guys, for hanging out. All right. For sure. Thanks for having us. All right. Another great podcast in the books. Please take a second and give this episode a review as that is a huge help for me to be able to get the word out about it. And if you happen to know anyone that is either an inspiring digital nomad or is a digital nomad, please share it with them. Now, don't forget to head over to rootlessliving.com and grab a free digital copy of your Rootless Living magazine. And you know what? If you think you would make a good guest for this podcast or you know someone that would make a good guest for this podcast, have them reach out to us at podcast at rootlessliving.com. Again, that's podcast at rootlessliving.com. Until next week, stay rootless.